Welcome back to It's Your Business, the Capital Journal's premier business podcast. We're doing things a bit different this week, as this is our first co-hosted episode of It's Your Business. I'm your usual host, India Yarbrough, and I'm joined this week by Katrine Bridges, SVP of Innovation for the Greater Topeka Partnership. This is coming full circle for me, as Katrine was my first guest on the show. So if you missed that episode, go back and give it a listen. Thank you, India. And hi, everyone. I'm Katrine. Please join us as we highlight entrepreneurs in Topeka and the region, people who find creative solutions that make our lives a little bit better every day. Today, we're spending time with an entrepreneur based in Manhattan who has come up with a way to help creators and shop owners make it through tough COVID-19 times. Those were tough for all of us. That's certainly right. Katrina will be joining me for a number of episodes moving forward. We hope to spotlight entrepreneurs and startups in our area, so we hope you'll tune in. Without further ado, let's dive right in. We hope you enjoy the show. speaking today with Bobby Sloan, creator of the online marketplace stayhomekansas.com. Bobby stood up this website shortly after COVID-19 hit our area as he saw a need to support local creators, including those who had lost traditional employment due to the pandemic. We plan to talk to him about that website, as well as entrepreneurship and how he got involved in Kansas uh, startup scene. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Good to see you both and talk to you both. Awesome. Yeah, we're happy to have you on the podcast, our first co-hosted podcast, by the way. So super excited That's about right. that. Awesome. Bobby, let's let's start with uh, kind of where your idea for this website uh, came from and how you got it started. I mean, could you uh, take us through kind of your, your thought process when you're first considering, uh, you know, how you might be able to help Kansans during uh, the pandemic and how you settled on on this concept of an online marketplace? Sure. It's messy. Um, as the beginnings of a lot of entrepreneurship uh, kind of tend to be, right? Um, so going in the way back machine, kind of the before times almost, um, with early days of COVID, I guess, about a year <laughs> ago, so long almost ago. exactly yeah. today. So <clears throat> the uh, the first week or so of the, the lockdown and, and of the pandemic in general, um, my day job uh, with uh, Image Makers – uh, is as an experience director. And we're a custom technology and brand experience firm. We build um, apps and websites and brands and digital marketing and that kind of stuff, cool digital stuff. Um, <clears throat> when the pandemic first started, I was having conversations all day, every day with existing clients and potential clients and people that just needed help in general. And really, really quickly, we decided that that was going to be our focus as a company at Image Makers was to help as many people as we can, help as many businesses as we could, um, even if we're donating time, just to how can we help? Because this is an unprecedented situation, at least for us. So I was having those conversations all day, every day. Um, a lot of businesses, their model changed completely overnight. And a few got completely shut down uh, overnight. So it presented some really interesting uh, strategic problems. And, you know, we're talking a lot about pivoting for a lot of companies that were legacy based companies. They, they've done things the same way for 40 or 50 years, and suddenly their business model has completely had to shift on its axis. So they're very interesting conversations and just trying to help as much as possible. 
But at the end of the day, you know, on a Friday evening, you're sitting there and, and thinking, what else, what else can I be doing? You know, I'm devoting all this energy to helping businesses in my, you know, in my day job. Uh, but I'm just kind of constantly kind of thinking about what I, what more could I be doing? And at the time there was a shortage of masks. Uh, at least, you know, we, that's what we kept hearing. There was a shortage of masks and you heard about people sewing masks. And I was like, I'm going to sew a mask. <laughs> I'm going to sew <laughs> as many masks as I can. And I am not a sewer at all. I've never sewed anything. I don't think in my life, <laughs> but I have a sewing machine. And so I literally had to dust it off and uh, started YouTubing. Okay. How do I make this thing work? And uh, how does one sew a mask? So I go to uh, the local craft store and get all the supplies that I think I need to make. I don't know how many yards of fabric I bought by the time I did trial and error, you know, several yards of fabric probably would have generated me one mask. Um, <laughs> but I, I was in line to check out and I was just, I just kept thinking this is probably not, the best use of my time. You know, this is probably not the way that I'm going to help the most. The ROI of me doing this and generating one mask when, you know, there are, um, you know, groups of, of people and women that are just able to crank these things out, you know, 10, 10 every minute or whatever it is. And uh, I'm going to be uh, learning how to do a mask. So um, I went and put everything back because the idea started to kind of formulate that what I could do is build a marketplace for people to to sell uh, the masks or give them away or whatever, um, get them out into the public sphere. And so it kind of started as a weekend project just to do that. And as I, as I went through the model in my head, what made sense is, okay, uh, people are going, getting out of work. There's a lot of hidden talent out there. A lot of people that have not been able to, you know, practice their art or their craft that they uh, have always wanted to, or have had to kind of put aside because of their day job. Suddenly we all found ourselves at home with a lot of time. So uh, what, what better way to help some people generate some extra income uh, that may have been laid off or need the extra income uh, to help uh, small businesses. And um, I, what I kept thinking about is our local economies are going to suffer from this. Of course, you know, if we only knew back then that it was going to last you know, up until now, still. <laughs> um, certainly, I think we thought, oh, 30 days, you know, it's a 30-day lockdown, but still, it's going to be a struggle. But I, my thought was that the local economy still could use the influx of, of cash and keep those dollars in our local economy. Um, so that's where the whole thing kind of formulated. So in a weekend, I built uh, stayhomemhk.com, and uh, I created the branding and set up all the social accounts and <laughs> set up the store and set up the website and just kind of did it. I didn't really sleep much that weekend. And then late Sunday night, early Monday morning, I, I pushed the site live and sent it out to a few people I knew who knew people. And, you know, by midday on, on Monday, I had 40 or 50 people starting to sign up. Like it was generating a little bit of buzz. I'm like, okay, there's at least something here, something to it. By the next weekend, I was getting requests from people in the Topeka area asking, is this just for people in Manhattan? I was like, well, no, but I should, I should start to think a little bit bigger. Um, I was kind of forced to scale um, within a week. So mm -hmm. the next weekend, I built uh, Stay Home Topeka. Um, and 
it started getting a little bit of media buzz that next weekend, um, that following Monday. And as the media buzz came in and um, it certainly was an accelerant for signups and just attention. So within the next couple of weeks, I had made six more smaller sites for like Emporia and Great Bend and Salina, um, a few others, Kansas City, Lawrence, Wichita. So I ultimately had six or seven, I think. Uh, within those first couple of weeks that I had to build out and I was building social accounts for every single one of them and trying to answer all the emails and, and everything too. So eventually it just made sense that there needs to be this larger umbrella thing. Like I, it had shown that there's some traction, there's some interest in this, um, not just during a pandemic, but, but I think even, you know, at a longer scale than that. Um, but that's where it started. And so stay home Kansas was born and I, I, now all the sites link to uh, to stay home Kansas, and it's just been kind of living and breathing on its own ever since. That's awesome, um, and and I, I love the fact that you 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 learned along the way how to think bigger and bigger, and uh, that's you know the entrepreneurial story. If you if you really create something that people can use and they they sign up for, then uh, you know watch out because you may scale faster than you <laughs> thought you would. Um, totally. Can you give us an an, uh, an understanding of where you are now in terms of users and uh, and shops that signed up for your for your platform? Yeah, so it's grown extremely organically. You know, when I did the initial kind of push for the site to make sure it was getting out there it was early summer of last year, and um, <clears throat> I've not run any large campaigns really since then. I've little things here and there, but it's been more about um, kind of testing the system, learning. Um, I'm, I'm a big uh, data nerd. So acquiring data um, that is actionable, that lets me make sure I'm scaling the right way and um, scratching the right itch. Uh, that's what I've been doing over the past several months uh, while it kind of grows organically. So uh, today I have about 62 different vendors on the site. So those are independent uh, users or, or mom and pop stores. It's impressive. They're on there selling. Mm -hmm. it, it blew my mind that it happened so organically. I think that was the thing that it was, again, kind of started off as this weekend project. And fortunately, my, my hand was kind of forced to um, keep going and keep building it out. Um, and as, as far as uh, signups, you know, I, I have a subscription like news newsletter, sign up, you know, stay in the know kind of thing. Um, I'm a little over 500 people have signed up on that. So, um, there's definitely a lot of interest. I think people think it's a good idea. Um, so there's, uh, there's plenty of work to be done though, to continue to iterate. So I, I it's still very early stages. I, I would consider it a beta project still at this point. Yeah. Well, and of course you are based in the, the Manhattan area, um, and where your first site started, uh, Topeka stood up shortly after that, like you said, can you, um, yeah. of course we're recording here in Topeka. Can you give us an idea of a kind of Topeka area creator or uh, mom and pop shop that has, has signed on and then become a vendor for you? Yeah. So there's, you know, it, what's been amazing is it's just been people through throughout the state. Um, so it's kind of blown my mind, you know, all the way from southwestern Kansas, um, you know, close to the Colorado border, uh, certainly to, you know, kind of our area on the eastern side, <clears throat> Topeka, uh, Manhattan, Lawrence and, and Kansas City. Uh, so I, I can throw out some vendor names. Um, I hope I hope they don't mind. Um, Stonehouse Creations. Uh, Sticks and things, uh, John's Wood Art Shop 
uh, was a recent addition. Um, <clears throat> 3D Merchants, uh, Ink and Threat, Ink and Thread Crafts. Uh, some of the some of the more recent ones, Dust Bowl Ugly. I just love that name. Um, <laughs> they they were one of my early signups as well. So now I now I got to know what they create. <laughs> You know, they have some, uh, I'd have to go in and actually look at what their products are now. Um, <clears throat> I believe they were one of the earlier stores. Yeah, so they've got uh, patchwork art, um, teal lion patchwork. Let's see, junk food, puppy tea, grain yellow, uh, puppy teas, puppy t-shirts, and uh, some wreaths, rose wreath. So that's the kind of stuff, you know, and that's been the other thing that's just been fascinating to me is the wide variety. I mean, there are so many incredibly talented uh, people in Kansas and talented from a creation standpoint that they're making a lot of these things by hand, but also talented in their uh, procurement. You know, some of the smaller mom and pop stores or your, you know, your stores on Main Street or some that are even running out of their homes these days, the items that they find, um, to kind of curate what they're going to sell is just uh, really impressive, really impressive. And it makes me very happy to see such a wide variety of things on there. Yeah, I bet. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your hopes to rebrand your website to take you into the future and uh, for, for, for growing your business long term. This is a great question because um, <laughs> this, this sounds like I had all of this, um, you know, this, foreshadowing in my head. And in some ways I did. Um, but <laughs> so much of it has been again, kind of forced, which is a little bit of an advantage. Um, at least for me, I, I always have a lot of balls in the air. So, um, being really directed and kind of having my hand forced in some ways is good for me as an entrepreneur. It, it makes me, um, sit down and do the deep work that I need to do. But early stages of stay home, uh, stay home, all the things, I knew back then that I was going to have to rebrand at some point, that it wouldn't be stay home forever. Um, especially even back then, <laughs> we thought it was going to be 30 days. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to rebrand in 30 days. You know, like the stay home orders or the recommendation to not go out. So in 30 days, I'm going to rebrand it. Um, so I started acquiring domains very early. And within the first couple of weeks, I had bought, I mean, stay home Dallas, stay home Denver, stay home St. Louis, uh, stay home San Francisco, stay home L.A., a lot of different domains like nationwide because once it started to get traction, I thought, well, if need be, I'm going to roll this puppy out nationwide, you know? <laughs> um, but, but even then I kind of knew like people aren't going to like that stay home connotation forever. Um, even, even if as a brand, something kind of gets ingrained, um, which is one side of this coin, right? Like people may not even be looking at it as, Oh, they're saying, you know, stay home, don't go out anywhere. So that, that thought had occurred to me, but, Certainly on the heavier side, I was thinking it's going to have to change. The, just the net messaging and the naming behind it is going to have to change. And especially if I want to expand um, to help smaller communities throughout the country, not just Kansas. I mean, Kansas certainly is, is the focus. That's where I want it to be. And will it remain you know, early on? This is where my, my home is, my family is, and my heart is. But I think um, you know, there's benefits for people across the country to a system like this. It kind of fills a hole. So... Uh, after acquiring another, I don't know how many, 50 or 60 different, you know, anytime I thought of something that could be good, I would just buy the domain name. Um, I'm a little bit of a hoarder that way, I guess. <laughs> um, 
But uh, now we know uh, where to go if we need a domain name. <laughs> I'm telling you, and I, it's uh, it's not a bad strategy because that way I just I feel I sleep better at night because suddenly you know I'm I've been focusing on on and, and the branding will be uh, lomaly.com l o m a l y I'm kind of blending locally made there. Ah, I see. Um, so uh, lomaly.com is what it uh, is what it will be, and I started in on the app version of that uh, actually in the summer. Um, and then the branding in the summer. But as we kind of continued in through um, our stages of this pandemic, of this ride that we're all on, um, it didn't become as paramount to switch it right away. Um, so that is where the branding is going, though. It'll allow it to uh, be user-friendly, easy to remember, and um, and also nationwide as well. Yeah, well, and, um, you know, a lot of the the like you've said mom and pop shops these small time creators that you're you're helping um it it seems to kind of tie into the fact that uh at least you know from my perspective reporting on small business and, and small business in Topeka that a lot of people are kind of waking up to the fact that small business you know needs community support and they're not going to be here if they don't get that community support um can you totally. can, yeah i mean I, I my question kind of goes in that direction i mean can you can you talk about how uh, your startup attempts to provide some of that support in a, in a less traditional way. I mean, you you mentioned recently that uh, your site kind of falls somewhere between um, the online platform Etsy and the the big tech business of Amazon. I mean, how do you kind of fit into that gap? Yeah. So, and it's, it's funny, right? The How things can change inside of a year. You know, user behaviors uh, change quite dramatically. Of course, we're not used to just having a pandemic pop up all the time. So, yeah, things are going to change. Um, I, I, a statistic that just really blew, blew my mind in the early days of the pandemic was internet usage worldwide going up as much as 70%. Um, I'm sure it's probably even more now. Um, but that's a staggering statistic if you think about how many people and how quickly that shift happened. So, uh, A, it goes to show the importance of having a, a strong digital presence. Um, and if you're an e-commerce shop, um, you know, having the ability to, to sell online uh, is really important. So, uh, but B, I think a lot of the general population, they, they may not have uh, early days because I think there's kind of this inherent, I'm looking out for me, I'm looking out for my family. There's the stores are out of toilet paper. Like you have some kind of larger concerns, very early stage. But as, as things kind of settle into a new normal, we start noticing that some of these businesses are going away, that some of our restaurants are closing. And that is fundamentally changing the makeup of your hometown. You know, some of the things that make it special, you know, those places where you go and eat, where you go and shop, where you find that cool, quirky, awesome local thing um, for a gift. And that is too precious of a thing to my mind to let just go the way of the dodo um, without the rest of us collectively doing something about it. And if we're going to be spending our money online anyway, which is what, so many people are doing, and that's a trend that looks to continue, right? It's not going away. Um, <clears throat> why not look local first? Why not look at least in our own backyards, um, in our own state to see um, where those dollars can be put to a little bit better use? Um, so that that was the the thought about all of this, and it's what makes sense to me, you know, from an ethical standpoint, from a helping out our neighbors standpoint. That was another thing that really stood out to me. Uh, especially early on, but, you know, <clears throat> we rely on our neighbors for so much. We rely on the kindness of strangers. Um, we rely on our communities. And 
it's extremely important and you don't really realize it until you're faced with what the heck is happening in the world right now. Um, luckily I know, you know, Ron and Dave and I'm surrounded by these good people. Um, so I feel safe. I've got it. Like my bubble is a little bit expanded or, you know, for us, we, we live in Kansas. I'm grateful for that. Um, I was in LA a few years ago. So, and, and have been there for a while and I'm glad I'm not there now. Um, they're, they're struggling with different issues, but even then it's, it's the importance of your, your neighbor and having each other's backs and how important that community is. Um, and I, I just want to jump in here because I, I, I feel like I have a very similar experience. Uh, and, and you touched on it earlier in, in our talk today. Um, just that Midwest mentality of how can I help? Is something that struck me uh, after I, I moved here from the from the East Coast or and in, in, in earlier from Germany. So um, it's it's something that I admire and that I feel very comfortable with, and something that's a real asset here in in the people. Um, and uh, you know, thinking about that entrepreneurial bug uh, that 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 all of us have um, in in a way, you know. Um, in my mind, an entrepreneur is somebody who sees opportunity uh, where other people see just problems, right? And and right. and want to give up, and and that's the the fundamental difference of somebody who thinks in solutions and and asks how can I help my neighbor um, and 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 other uh, parts of the community, right? And um, and then if you really add value uh, to to somebody's day to somebody's life. That's where you can can monetize and build a business out of it. Yeah, hundred percent. And that is that is really you know the the origin of all of this <clears throat> was from that mindset. You know, I, I think there are a couple of different there are several different entries into uh, entrepreneurship. Right? There's uh, scratching your own itch, very popular. You know, you need to solve something for yourself, and oh, other people might need this. Um, but then there's the you know looking at how things are, the state of things and saying, how can I apply some of my skills? What can I fix um, that's out there? And that's, you know, when I'm standing in line um, at the craft store, that was what was passing through my head was this is not the best use of my time. My skill set lies elsewhere. You know, it's solving digital problems. It's, it's looking out um, at uh, what's possible and what, what could be done to, to add value and help people. So that's kind of where this came from. And, I think kind of to your earlier question too, India, there was, to my mind, there exists this gap between something like an Etsy, which is a great store. And, and a lot of people have Etsy stores, uh, especially, I mean, crafters, that's what they focus on. And then Amazon, which is basically the, you know, the online behemoth that it is, big box retailer. And as an independent seller, you can sell on Amazon. It's just um, the system is very much weighted against you. It's um, you're, you're anybody that does any uh, research on this or looks into it. If you, if you plan to sell on Amazon, it is not, uh, an easy road to hoe. It, it's just uh, very competitive, uh, needless to say. Um, but also the, uh, there's a staggering amount of, of, uh, large businesses and entities that are, have vested interest in, uh, having their products on there and getting reviews. There's whole systems for how they do that. So it's, it's convoluted. Um, the thing about Etsy is it's not uh, focused on local, right? In your own region or your own backyard, you can certainly search for, for things from certain areas or they're branded as certain areas, but um, the local aspect is missing there to my mind. So that's where something like Lomaly, um will 
will fit in or that's that's the hole to me that it, that it plugs is the local uh the local aspect the local marketplace uh bobby so um we have we have uh, hopefully a lot of listeners that are thinking about starting their own business or um you know trying trying different different ways of of um adding a service to the community um what would you tell them is the most rewarding part of being an entrepreneur and uh, embarking on that journey i love that question because it happened to me kind of early days and it was what it's what validated it even more than the fact that I had some people signing up. That was great. That's I mean, you have to have it. Um, but when I started getting some emails from individuals, you know, asking questions or just kind of saying, this is a great idea. Thank you for doing this. This is exactly what I needed. That was the part that really elevated it for me. Um, it validated that I was what I was out set out to do and adding value other people saw that as value. It wasn't just me saying, ah, here's value for you. Take, take this value. Um, <laughs> do with it what you will. Um, it was, it was them, it was them saying, um, yes, we find this valuable. And that was kind of like, oh, I'm helping. You know, <laughs> there was a little bit of, I'm, I'm, I'm helping people and they're glad that I did what I did. Um, and that by far, has been the most rewarding thing. Um, and it's not, not every business is going to have this, um, Oh, just, you know, pat on the back. Thank you so much. You know, uh, not everybody's going to get that right. And I, I completely understand that. But, um, at the end of the day, and this sounds very trite, I don't mean it to be, but it is about the people and it is about, you know, the value you're adding to the world. And I think that's really important. Um, because what you're doing needs to be sustainable, you know, you're, you're removing friction from people's lives. You're you're giving them time back in their lives. You know, depending on what you're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, there's somebody on the other side of what you're building. You know, you can be building a SaaS company, um, building up your own lawn care business. It doesn't matter. There's somebody on the other side of your product or your service that um, is going to be grateful for you doing it if you do it well. And that's what feels the best to me. Mm -hmm. Totally worth it. Yeah, well, on the the flip side of that too, Bobby. I mean, what has um, been the most difficult thing you've had to overcome during your your startup process? Time, mostly time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, our, our our work at Image Makers at the company. You know, we're we're in a great position to help a lot of companies, and it's it's work that I love to do. I enjoy it a lot. Um, and we're fortunate to be very busy. You know, we, we were positioned well, again, kind of early stages for this to, um, you know, be in high demand. You know, we're more of a premium service, um, high design, high custom technology. And so we were in, in strategy. And so we were, we were positioned well for that early on. So that means we've been very busy. So this has mostly been something uh, with the help I've, I've started hiring out contractors. So it's growing slowly. Um, so, but it's both, mostly been something I'm working on early in the mornings, late at night, and then on the weekends. Um, so just finding the time to continue to hone it has been one of the things. That I, I will take um, some deliberate time off of work occasionally um, if there are larger chunks that I know I need to be working on. Um, but that's kind of the next evolution, right? I, I knew I was going to go through some of these phases. I've been collecting a lot of data. I'm going to do the rebranding. And, um, you know, I... I have high hopes that um, we'll start to expand and actually start to hire out some employees and, and build things out now. 
but uh, time time has been the challenge. Katrina, you could probably speak to this better than I can, but I imagine a lot of, I mean, startup uh, or entrepreneurs who are potentially looking at, at creating startups would run into that same problem. I mean, if you have a full-time job, you're trying to do this on, on weeknights, on the weekend, uh, no telling what else might be in your schedule. I, I could see that being very re- relatable. Yeah. And and you balance that out, I guess, with your passion, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't wake up every day and say, this is what I want to do, then it's not, you're not going to be able to, to sustain yourself and your business, right? You, you have to have that drive and that passion. And, yeah. and that's, you know, many times what we hear from, from successful entrepreneurs. It's still a risky business, right? So, mm-hmm. um, Bobby, oh, you have, oh, you totally. have your, your job at Im- Image Makers that uh, provides that uh, kind of risk risk mitigation in a way. Um, yeah. And, and they've been very, they've been very supportive as well. Uh, Dan Holmgren, the, the owner is, is a good friend of mine. And, you know, we started working together and um, <clears throat> he's been very supportive, you know, we're being in that industry, you know, I have access to resources, you know, so I, I know developers, I know what to look for in developers. I know designers, I know what to look for in designers. So again, it's kind of where my skill set lives. So because I'm building something that's kind of already in my sphere, that certainly helps. And they've been nothing but uh, supportive of, of the whole process, which has been great. Um, but yeah, there is that, there is that, where do you get your energy from kind of thing, right? Like there is, you know, do you get your energy from working on your passion projects or do you get your energy from kind of being alone and, and Zen and meditation and then you feel rejuvenated? Um, and it's, it's not that it's going to be there a hundred percent of the time, um, sometimes you just know there are things that need to get done and it's, uh, you know, it's flicking off that little devil on your shoulder that's trying to get you to not do it, you know, or, or, or to relax. And it's, again, it's, it is kind of those emails and it's a communication that I have, um, with people that, that lets me know that this is something that they want. And again, it's, it's something that has continued to grow pretty organically without any major, marketing pushes or anything like that for me it's again it's been more of a beta testing time but the fact that it's gone to you know 500 plus uh people signing up and you know 50 60 vendors uh pretty independently again kind of continues to validate the model for me so i think we're ready for the next step so so it's interesting you just talked about that little voice in your ear that tells you this is that needs this is something that needs to get done and uh, yeah, i i can't yeah. help but do this. Um, can you go back in in your in, in in your life or your career where that first happened? Uh, like what 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 made you the person that you are as an entrepreneur? When when did that voice first appear? That's a really good question. Um, when I was a kid, I'll never forget my dad telling me: No matter what you do, own a business. Doesn't matter how small it is. Like you can still, if you want to choose a career path, choose a career path. Um, but own a business, the, the, the tax advantages and, and just the, the reward that you get from doing it, um, start a business no matter what you do. So I always kind of had that. And I still hear that voice, um, all the time and I have not been able to ever kick that out. Once dad told me that I always loved the idea of it. So from a young age, I was thinking that way when I moved out to California, I was in my early twenties and, um, I was, doing a variety of things, but, um, you know, inside of the entertainment industry back in 2005, there wasn't really any templated system for putting your resume online. 
So for actors, directors, writers, producers, models, that didn't really exist yet. Facebook didn't exist yet, or at least not at scale um, in 2005. So I, um, I had the idea for a, a system that would allow actors, directors, writers, models, producers to put their digital resume online um, with their reel, their video, um, their headshots, all that stuff. Um, and it was called setyoursites.com, S-I-T-E-S. And so that was my first real foray where I put all my own money into it. And at the time it was like all of my own money. I did not have any extra money. I was like, this is an idea and I'm going to put it out there. And so I ended up partnering with the company there in LA to build it with me because at the time I just did not have the skill set, and, you know, nothing existed to really allow you to easily build out your own thoughts. You needed to be able to code everything. Um, and me as one person to code something that large was not going to happen. Um, so I partnered with the company and, three years later, it still was not done. And again, I had put everything into it and it was just, it was kind of this little side thing for them that they thought might help generate some income. Um, we were going to share some of the code base and all that. So we ended up just parting ways. I mean, it, it launched in a beta form and I, I had some good buzz, but by that time, you know, three years later, there were other systems already getting up and running. People were using Facebook, people were using other things to, put their digital presence online. So I had missed the boat, you know, and I didn't have the wherewithal or the confidence to be pushing or really negotiating things, you know, harder back then. I was just kind of like, Oh, this is great. I've got an idea. Let's see what happens to it. And then, you know, three years later, I'm still the kid sitting in the corner and haven't been asked to dance. So, um, it was at that moment though, that I'm like, okay, <laughs> tough lesson learned. Uh, I'm not sure when, you know, or if I'll jump back into the pool. And that's what there, there was a, the devil on my shoulder was saying that, right? Like, uh, you tried, this is a tough, this is a tough gig software startups. This, this is tough. Um, but I mean, it was within a year or so after that, that some other things started to kind of formulate it. Another idea came and, uh, me and a group of guys got together and started kicking around and we had a, a developer that worked at JPL, um, jet propulsion laboratory there. And um, it started to kind of get more traction. And uh, we've got people from, you know, formerly of yahoo.com. And we've got people from uh, a CFO from a pharmaceutical company. We had some big names starting to get on our board of advisors. And we're going up to San Francisco and back and forth to recruit these people. And all of a sudden, it just kind of started to happen organically because it wasn't even the, the voice on my shoulder that was saying, hey, you need to get up and do this. It was taking place so organically because I was passionate about it. We, we had the idea to do it. And I get, again, it's kind of that energy of this is what I have the energy to do. I wake up thinking about this. I go to sleep thinking about it. I dream about it. Um, I'm hardly ever thinking about anything else. Um, and it was just kind of unboundless energy to do it then, you know, you don't, you don't fail. You just have learning experiences, right? So <laughs> totally. without, without yeah, failing, you would not be where you are today. And uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I, I, and I've learned a lot. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, Bobby, for I know in in Topeka, in Northeast Kansas, of course, we're trying to improve our our innovation locally, our entrepreneurial ecosystem, that sort of thing. There's been a lot of talk of that lately um, with, you know, the Greater Topeka Partnership, plug and play coming in, that sort of thing. Um, You know, to do that, you have to have people like you who have that entrepreneurial mindset and want to, to make a difference in some way or pursue their passion. Um, what advice might you have for, for people who are in that boat, who who have this entrepreneurial mindset, who know they want to do something like this, but just maybe are scared about taking that first step? That's the biggest thing. That is by far the biggest thing to my mind is take those first steps. Um, if I could, If I could tattoo anything across my forehead, and I think Tim Ferriss said this, um, you know, the, the thing that you uh, are putting off doing, the thing you don't want to do right now is probably the thing you most need to be doing um, to get where you want to go. Because it's it's easy to say, oh, it's so hard to start an LLC or what a pain in the butt. I mean, we, we have access to the world's knowledge. You, you could sit on your couch and start a billion dollar company um, just by taking action. But if you don't take any action, you're not going to go anywhere. So taking those first steps, um, even if you're wrong, correct course along the way. Um, but don't, don't think you have to have it all figured out now. And I'm just so much of this as I'm talking to myself, um, because I need to hear this too, but it is, uh, you don't have to have the end game completely figured out. You know, you don't have to game theory, this thing to end course and work your way all the way backwards. The key in business is getting started because momentum is a real thing. Um, it's amazing what happens when you start to put things out there, when you actually start to build it, when you start telling people that you're doing it, um, suddenly connections just start to happen and people will start to pop up and say, Hey, Roger told me that you're building this thing, you know, or whatever it is. And it's amazing how it happens when you start to do it and put it out there. So taking the action to me has just been one of the, one of the most important things, um, and to Katrine's point, if I hadn't taken the action, if I hadn't put and lost uh, every time I had on Set Your Sights, I wouldn't have got into starting uh, Kudos, the, you know, the next company and, and working inside of that. And if we hadn't done that, I would not have learned this wide swath of skills and connections inside of the startup world. Um, even though it ultimately didn't pan out, it was probably one of the most valuable experiences of my entire life. And I, I wouldn't be here doing it now if I hadn't. Um, and who's to say, I might, I might learn some very valuable lessons from uh, Sam Kansas and Lomaly too. Um, but it won't dissuade me from wanting to do it because the, the passion is in building and, and helping. So, uh, Bobby, uh, on a little bit of a lighter note, uh, we wanted to find out from you, what is your favorite spot in Topeka? Oh, that is a good, that's a good question. We have a lot of okay. good questions. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. On, I, <laughs> um, I like the confidence, Katrina. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Wayback Machine and go back in time first to when I was a kid, my favorite place when I was a kid. Um, so growing up in Great Bend, Kansas, I, a trip to Kansas City to see my aunt and uncle at the time was a big thing. It's a four hour drive, which for a kid is like a week, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's forever. And I didn't have, you know, we didn't have phones or, or movies in the thing. I was just sitting in the back with my GI Joes for four hours. Um, so it was always a highlight when we got to stop in Topeka 
and we went to the Hyper Walmart, which is a really big deal at the time. Do you remember when the Walmart, <laughs> when they had Super Walmarts, they had like the Hyper Walmart. And um, I begged my mom for a Nintendo game. I thought that was kind of my, my consolation prize for having to ride in the car <laughs> um, for four hours. Um, <laughs> so that used to be my favorite speaker place when I was a kid because I didn't know any better. Uh, these days, uh, the Blind Tiger is certainly one of my go-tos. Um, I love a good craft beer and barbecue. It's one of the things I missed the most when I was in Los Angeles and Southern California. There's amazing food out there, and you've got kind of the world as your oyster. Um, but it's really hard to beat barbecue from this area. Um, so that's that's definitely been one of my go-to places. Yeah, well, I've been there a couple times, and it's been great so far. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's really good. How can you not like beer? I mean, me with it, <laughs> being mean, a German, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Bobby, that about wraps up our, our conversation today. Uh, do you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with? Any final thoughts for our listeners? Well, first of all, th thanks for having me on and for letting me be a part of this. I'm really happy to, to talk to both of you. And, and I think, um, you know, the importance of the future of this area is hard to be, um, it's hard to overstate, you know, this this kind of tech corridor and, and our our state and our area in general Kansas is really doing some amazing things, and I'm really proud. I, I did not, frankly, know what Kansas was going to look like um, when I had, had been gone and in Southern California and kind of this, I don't know, this uh, the glitz, right, for, you know, the 10 years, 11 years. I didn't know what Kansas was going to be like, and for the most part, I, I would say this. The best parts of Kansas haven't changed, but some of the, some of the parts, um, that spirit um, – really kind of stepping into a bigger stage. Um, people are realizing you can live, work, and play anywhere in the world now. Um, you don't have to be on a coastal city. You don't have to be anywhere. You can live in this beautiful, uh, humble, and warm place like Kansas and change the world from here. So I love that we're on that track, and I hope more people come and, and start doing it because the, the community is just growing and only going to get bigger. Awesome. I couldn't agree more. This is so great. Uh, so for our listeners, please go to Kansas, uh, stayhomekansas.com. Check out uh, the website and uh, maybe you become uh, the 501st uh, user. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Bobby. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's a wrap for now. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you know of any Topeka entrepreneurs that we should highlight, please let us know. To reach us, you can find my email on the Capital Journal's website. And be on the lookout for more episodes hosted by Katrina and I. We hope you'll join us next time. <laughs>